Good morning and welcome to the breakdown on Latte Firm. I've no idea why I'm so chirpy because I'm a mixture of emotions today. Um, but before we dive into all of that, may I introduce the panel members to everybody who's watching. So we've got James, who's the chap in the glasses just below me on screen. We've got Lucy returning to the firm. Lucy, thanks for coming back. And we've got debutant Mark, who's joining us from London, uh, a Scotsman. But I've, I've really loved your spaces and stuff before on social media. So you're very welcome to the firm. Um, Anybody who's watching, please drop a like on the video and a subscribe to the channel. It really is greatly appreciated and get your comments in. Uh, as per normal, guys, we'll dive into the lineup, to the match, and there's a lot to talk about. And of course, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about Albert's comments at the end because, of course, he was a standing coach on the touchline. But before we go into that, I feel really emotionally drained this morning, and I'm sure you guys are feeling uh, kind of similar. Um, I, I just feel a mix of, you know, sort of sadness and being upset, of course, from the result. I feel bitter and angry because of the officiating and, and the way that the sort of game sort of panned out but I kind of feel proud as well so it's a real emotional roller coaster all caused by a game of football but Mark I want to come to you first um you were at the game yesterday um how yeah what were your thoughts going into the game because obviously we've had a tricky start to the season City were you know a contributory factor to that with their thumping of us at the Etihad we've kind of picked ourselves up and this was a real sort of acid test to see where the team was I mean what were your expectations going into the game I thought it was a bit of a free hit to be honest um because they are the best team in the country probably the best team in the world um, so I saw it as a free hit. It was, a real, it was going to be a real good test of our youngsters and how they could do. But I also, because they had a game two days ago, I knew that we had a, a good chance of getting a result against them. So whilst it was a free hit, I think people were quite confident. Um, I think our last three games, we've been 1-0 down inside 10 minutes. So that was always going to be handy to see how we would start the game. But most people were confident. Most people were, were quietly confident. Um and obviously the, the New Year's Day element of it as well. The, the atmosphere was a little bit quiet to begin with. I think a few a few people had some sore heads cup coming in, but it was an interesting it was an interesting setup. People were quietly confident, I think. And James, obviously, you you, you sort of uh, enjoyed the game yesterday as much as you could in, from a from a stylistic perspective. And and you've talked about our position possession play, our positional play under Arteta. Was it was that a real sort of marker that Arsenal wanted to put down against the best team in the country? Yeah, I think I think you could see that we had longer to prepare for the game than them because the way we went into it and the way we just acted for a long, a large period of the game, we were just really impressive from a tactical point of view. And not just that, I think from an emotional point of view, the way the players played is something to be proud of because if you look back to earlier in the season when we got battered 5-0, the reaction to conceding a goal and stuff is so different to now where the team comes together and wants to fight as a team when Gabriel got sent off. We were still charging at them, which I, I didn't think we should have done. I don't know why Xhaka was charging at them after <laughs> we were playing with 10 men. But it is, it's really good to see. And it's much easier to get behind a team when you see them all playing as a collective like that. Going into the game myself, and Lucy, I'll come to you about the starting lineup. But going into the game myself, before the game, I sort of tweeted saying that all I wanted to see from Arsenal was application, was a game plan, and was a sort of sensible approach. And I didn't want us to be open and gung ho and sort of, you know, very, very like what we did at the Etihad. Um, and I just wanted us to sort of, you know, execute a bit of a game plan. And it was such a shame to not have Arteta on the on the touchline. But I think we did exactly that. So let's let's dive in straight into the starting lineup. So on your screens now, you should be able to see as normal. Uh, the lineup sort of appearing. So give us a second. 
In goal, uh, obviously, Aaron Ramsdale keeping his place in between the sticks. He is well established as our number one. Back four, good to see Tommy Asu back coming in at right back. I was a bit surprised by that. I wasn't expecting him to, to return so soon. Xhaka and Party, are our midfield pair. And then, of course, Martinelli, Erdegaard and Saka out wide behind Lacazette up top. Uh, Lucy, was this the strongest team that we could have fielded? And, and how did you feel about Tommy Asu coming back to right back? Yeah, I think by far the strongest lineup we could have put out. Um, again, a bit disappointing to see Smith Rowe on the substitute bench, but I think this is definitely the strongest lineup we could have put out. Um, seeing Tommy Asu back, I think he looked sharp to say he'd been out. Um, with COVID, I think he came back, he put in a shift, um, he looked really strong. Um, and I think we stayed structured, we stayed organised. Um, and I think this team did a really good job yesterday. Uh, any thoughts on um, Thomas Partey? Because obviously since he joined the club, he's, his, his time at Arsenal has not been, let's say, consistent. He gave a, a, you know, he gave a TV interview where he admitted that he'd been dropping four out of ten performances. But yesterday I thought he was a colossal in midfield. I mean, Mark, do you want to come in on, on, on Partey and his performance? I think he's been getting a little bit of unfair stick. Like, don't get me wrong, he hasn't been brilliant, but he's not been as bad as people have made him out to be. Um, that being said, it's particularly annoying that he drops his best ever performance for Arsenal the day before he goes away to the AFCON. <laughs> so, but it's kind of typical. Um, but yesterday, he, he was he was colossus. Yeah, he was an absolute mountain in midfield. He was dribbling past people. He's beating people. He's winning the ball back. I saw him at one point during the second half going like a big lung-busting sprint himself. You know, one of those ones where you go, I didn't realise he was that quick. Um, so he was, yeah, he was an absolute monster in midfield. It, it was great to see him play like that. Just a shame, as we know, that he's now going away for a month. Why do you think he's not been able to play at that level, mate? I mean, it, you know, he's been talking about fitness issues. Um, you know, is it confidence? Is it familiarity in the team? I mean, why do you think he's been so sort of up and down? I think familiarity. Really, like, I think, like, to Tommy Asu is... is unbelievable i think he's bakari sagna 2.0 like he just looks the same plays the same like it's just his whole style is so similar but it means that he's reliable whereas opposed to like in some previous right backs that we've had a kind of makeshift back four sometimes you have to babysit them a little bit more and i think that the more that they grow their relationship the more parties more able to be a bit more expressive and similarly with shaka shaka has been a bit more stable next to party so i think you kind of just get everyone together as bringing out a synergy in each other. And that's why Party's starting to look more like himself. That and the fact that it's a big game. It's New Year's Day. It's on TV. I think he wanted to prove something to someone and he did that. Yeah, he did that. And it's such a shame, like you say, that he's going to go off to AFCON for, for some time, uh, for us, certainly. Uh, comments coming in about Tomiyasu. Salah says Tomiyasu should be in the conversation for the best right back this season. Very difficult to disagree. Uh, Prasanna says party virtuoso performance against KDB and Silva. Absolutely mesmerising yesterday. Um, James, uh, Lucy mentioned it was a shame that Emil Smith-Rowe missed out. Um, what are your thoughts on him sort of being on the bench at the moment? Because obviously Arteta or Albert, they've got a bit of a conundrum at the moment, haven't they, in terms of selection? It's a nice headache to have. Yeah, I was going to say it's a very good and bad problem to have. I just think at the moment you can't you can't drop Martinelli with the way he makes defenders really scared. You could see Cancelo wasn't comfortable at any point in the game. And the way he can press from the front as well makes a massive difference. He's got like the best pressing stats of any left wing in the league. Um, I know a lot of people see Smith Rowe as an attacking midfielder, but I don't think that's his position. He don't think he retains the ball well enough. And I don't think he makes through balls as well as Erdegaard. Um, and he's he's not a right winger. He wouldn't replace Saka in the team. So it's a weird one. I think 
it's between him and Martinelli, but with the way Martinelli's been playing, it's really, really difficult to drop him. So I think at the moment, you've just got to treat it as rotation, where in easy games, I do think he can play attacking midfield. And uh, yeah, he should rotate with Martinelli in other games. It's a real pickle, and and it's going to be really interesting to see how Arteta sort of uses those players and rotates them in the in the rest of the season. Um, before we go on to the actual match itself, and there's so much to talk about, so much to dissect. Just a little shout for Lacazette because obviously this is a chap whose contract is coming up for expiry. He's been given the captain's armband. I thought he, I thought he played really well yesterday. I thought he was he was a, a good leader to have on the pitch. You know, he was calmly sort of approaching Stuart Atwell every time there was a discrepancy. Um, he works hard for the team. He allows the likes of Martinelli and Saka to, to run him behind because he, you know, takes defenders away. And of course, he was pivotal in, in Saka's opening goal. But, you know, thoughts on on Lacazette, Mark, coming back to you. I mean, obviously, Aubameyang with his misdemeanours and his contract situation, uh, Lacazette is is just coming in. He's a bit of an unsung hero, isn't he, at the moment? I feel like this is a leading question from you because you know that I've had some strong views on Lacazette in the past. Like, <laughs> I've, found, I've found his work great, like, abysmal at times over the last two years, like... I found him really frustrating. I've also heard some stories from people in and around the club that him and Aubameyang are not particularly good influences on other players, that they you know, don't take things seriously, et cetera, et cetera, and that a lot of the problems have been them too. It's not surprising me at all that Aubameyang in open four is allowing Lacazette to be a bit more... I don't, know, I don't want to be too harsh on it. Obviously, no, I've never met him. Like I don't know the guy individually, but I've just the feeling that I've got is just that he's not been in it. The last 10 games, he's been unreal. I can't fault him. Like, even though he's not always the best goal scorer, I think sometimes where he didn't work very well with Aubameyang or other players, because I just felt there was so many players trying to occupy that 10 space, he now is dropping into that, which is allowing Martinelli and Saka to go around him. And it's just working so well that, yeah, as I said, I can't fault him. I know what's going to end up happening. We're going to give him a massive new contract and he's going to fall off a cliff. But right now, I'm, I'm enjoying what Lacazette is. I'm just, I just see it coming. It's happening. We're smiling about it because it's all too familiar with Arsenal. But just, just a final point on on Lacazette. I mean, Lucy, coming back to you, the contract situation is quite laughable. If he gets like a four or five year contract at two two fifty a week, that's not the right decision for the club, is it? No, I think it's going to happen though. Um, I don't think it's the right decision, but I think at this point we need him to stay, um, particularly for I'd say to the end of the season, maybe through next season. But I think offering a four or five-year contract is not the correct <laughs> um, yeah. place to go with that, I don't think. Because I think it will end up like the Aubameyang situation. And that's the last thing we need right now when we're building up a new team. We've seen it so many times before. Right, let's get stuck into the game itself. So moving on to the match stats from yesterday. Uh, obviously, we've been, we've been beaten uh, by comfortably the best team in the country going into the game both teams were, were in some good form uh, City obviously seems to be winning all their games uh, these days but for us we were you know four Premier League wins on the bounce possession wise they bossed it quite comfortably but I think that was expected because we obviously scored first and then of course it was down to City to get back into the game they had more shots on goal than us so 15 compared to seven shots on target though only a couple and they only forced Ramsdale into one save so um, you know, whether that's because we're defending or whether because they were a bit, uh, you know, sort I don't, of, um, Faisal, I don't think Ramsdale made a single save. Did he not? No, the, um, you've got one save for Edison, though. 
Oh yeah, sorry, my apologies. <laughs> I'm reading reading my own data wrong. So yeah, so uh, Edison had to make a save, and and Ramsdale didn't make a save. Good spot, James. Uh, passing accuracy down to seventy one point nine percent. That the reason why that's interesting is because when we win our games, we're normally well above eighty plus. But just an observation. Corner wise, set piece wise, obviously yellow cards and red cards. We picked up the red from Gabriel, which we'll talk about in just a second. Before we look at the isolated moments in the pictures, just your thoughts, James, on the first half. I mean, I tweeted at halftime saying I've opened my eyes this is the blueprint for what Arteta's trying to build I thought it was the most tremendous performance we were going toe-to-toe with the best city the best team in the league and we didn't look out of place like we looked very much on their level would you agree with that yeah I, I honestly couldn't believe what I was seeing it was it felt like the sort of thing where we'd have 10 minutes a 10 minute spell like that in the game and then City would concede and our heads would drop but we just kept sustaining the pressure. There was a 10-minute period, I don't know if you've seen it, where we would just kept the ball in City's half. They couldn't get out. And we were playing like Man City, which is it's such a huge credit to Arteta because we obviously don't have the players that they have. But the way we kept the ball in their half, they couldn't pass out of our press. And I was worried thinking we might not score during this period. And if we don't, then we're in the mud because they will inevitably have their part in the game. But we did score during the period. And honestly, we should have scored a second. And had we scored a second, I think the game would have almost been done. I think if we went 2-0 up, I think we'd have gone on to win the game. Um, but these pivotal moments that the young team will improve on, but the game changed with Xhaka's mistake and Gabriel's mistake. But apart from that, I thought we were the better team for the whole 90 minutes, to be honest. Looking back at the first sort of uh, main moment, you've got the picture there of Odegaard being put through. It was a lovely move, wasn't it? Ramsdale with the long clearance, Martinelli with a with a first time touch on that on that flank, and then of course it came through, and, and Odegaard's gone down. You can see from that picture that Odegaard planted his foot in between the ball and, and Edison's foot. It was a clear pen for me, but that of course wasn't the only issue, Mark, because a lot of people, particularly pundits, have been talking about it not being called to go back to VAR. I mean, what were your thoughts in the stadium at the time? Because that must have been frustrating. It looked a stonewaller, but I was in block five. I was at the absolute other end. Like it, it's, it's disingenuous for me to actually think that it's a penalty from where I am, but it looked like a pen. Um, I didn't see it back until post-match. Where So I'm in a group chat and all my friends, although admittedly a bunch of them are Man United fans, they were like, oh, you know, I think he gets something on the ball. So you kind of don't think too much of it at the time. Since I've seen it back, if I look at that individually... Um, and it was actually a really good, uh, you guys probably know Tim Stillman, he tweeted out a really good couple of things about it. He said, like, if you're looking for the penalty, should it be a penalty? Like, because Odegaard, he's overrun the ball, he's trying to put himself in a position to buy a foul. In an ideal world, that's not a penalty. But if you're going to judge both incidents, judge them by the same measuring stick, if, if trying to buy something and then being hit is a penalty, then do it for both. And I think... The overriding thing with all incidents is that it's either both or neither, but it's too consistent this season where inconsistencies are happening, <laughs> to put, use the phrase. It's just, it's killing me. It ruins the game and everyone was like, everyone was just aghast at it. And it's the and same with how like the cards, would, I know we'll come to that later, but like that was so inconsistent because Atwell spent the entire first half letting everything go. And then in a five-month period started booking everyone. At the time in the stadium, they didn't show it on the big screen either. So you were completely like just sort of confused as to what was going on. But they did show 
the Bernardo Silva one sort of towards the end, which we'll, which we'll come on to in just a second. Um, I tried to watch Match of the Day last night thinking, right, we're going to get some really insightful sort of agreement that it was a clear pen, VAR got it wrong. But to my surprise, and Lucy, I'm sure you felt the same as well. To my surprise, like, they were just like, yeah, it looked, from one view, it looks like Edison got the ball. And I was like, what view are you looking at? Every view to me looks like Erdegaard had his foot planted. And whether rightly or wrongly, he's gone looking for it. There is contact. He's not won the ball and it should have been a pen. I mean, I was livid at the time, Lou. So how, how are you feeling? Yeah, it was so frustrating. And that's the problem is that from different angles of saying it looks like a different view, but actually it's got to be consistent. And that's the problem with VAR every single time is it's one rule for another and one rule for someone else. And I think we had the decisions were very nice towards Man City compared to how they were for us. I think all the decisions went in Man City's way, um, which is just frustrating as you're sat watching this. And obviously I was at home, I was watching the replays and you're seeing it from all the different angles and the referee still doesn't go to check it. Um, and it's just frustrating how you can go to check one, but not the other. And yeah, I think Mark hit the nail on the head about the inconsistencies with VAR. And I think that is a serious problem within football at the minute. Yeah, massively, massively disappointed. But we did knock on the door. We did get our first goal. Again, a nice, uh, another nice move. I think Ben White sort of won the ball, played it to Xhaka, who played like a first-time pass. And then, of course, Tierney straight across to Saka. James... We can eulogise about Saka. I mean, I do on this channel sort of every week, but it was a beautiful moment. And the way that he celebrated, running into the family enclosure, the two lucky fans that he sort of hugged and embraced. I mean, at that at that moment, I'm I'm floating on cloud nine. I yeah. mean, how, how was that moment for you? No, my head was absolutely spinning. I thought we it, we've it's been so long since we beat City, and since we've been in a position where we even thought we could beat City. I, it, it, I was just speechless and the whole, it wasn't just the finish, it was the whole lead up to the goal. Xhaka's pass that he made, I think a few years ago, he just recycles ball and plays it backwards. I think we've moved on that he's made the forward pass first time and trusting Erdegaard, who I think it was Erdegaard, who positioned himself perfectly so that Xhaka can make that pass because we're not hiding in attacking areas. And then also something I'll point out is Lacazette, as we were speaking about earlier, did really well to just screen Ake so that when Saka came through to make the shot, Lacazette was just slightly blocking him off. It definitely wasn't a foul, um, but it gave Saka the space to shoot and brilliant finish. I think he's he was missing that part of his game, just that that final action, the finish, and he seems to be growing into it now. And once he once he does get that under his belt, I think he's going to be a scary footballer. So yeah, I was spinning, <laughs> mate. The whole the whole stadium was rocking. I mean. To go one nil up, I almost kind of felt to myself, oh, have we scored a bit too early? But I was so confident, like the way that we were applying ourselves, just the structure looked right. Lucy hit the nail on the head. We were organised. The structure looked right. The distances between the players looked good. We were, we were just so um, focused and energetic about our performance. There was a youthful exuberance about the side, and we just really applied everything that we wanted to. And I feel, I feel so sad that Arteta wasn't there to sort of celebrate with the fans and with the players. And you know, Mark, you're nodding. It would have been a lovely moment to have seen on the on the touchline. No, Going in at half. Just on, think, on, it was really interesting. Though, at half time, I've been at games before where you've been one 0 up against good teams or away from home where we've been beating someone, but you you know you're going to lose. Like it's one of those inevitable. Like, you know you're about to throw it away in the second half. No one did. Everyone actually was like, "But we're playing good. This isn't as if we flipped this. We've actually battered them. We've been in control." Sterling hasn't got a sniff against against Tommy Asu. 
Martinelli's have Cancelo and Post. Like we were actually the better team, and there was nothing about our performance that made us feel like second half it was going to collapse. It was what the thing that was so interesting about it is that people were actually, actually stupidly thinking it was gonna it was gonna be our day. Yeah, I, I just like I said, I mean, at one nil at half time, I thought to myself that is the best I've seen Arteta's team play, and they are such a young team. And there is a number of new signings that have only been playing together for what 15, 20 games together. That's the blueprint. That's exactly it. And I kind of I kind of thought to myself, well, do you know, even if we go on to lose from here, I've seen enough to be confident and to be encouraged by. But of course, it was a shame that the way the sort of second half unfolded. Going into the second half, um, I mean, what a what an emotional roller coaster. I can't even remember what came first now. Was it was it the the, the Martinelli chance before the sending off? Uh, was that was was that the one where it was it ref- was moments before it was it was all in the space of about a minute yeah, <laughs> yeah it was Martinelli just... missed the chance and then from the goal kick that's where Gabriel got sent off it was just a frenzy right let's 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 do something on your screens now that's the Martinelli chance right so I don't want to make anybody cry James is holding his head he's got he's got his uh, head in his hands but first of all what the hell is the referee doing there and I think a lot of people have been quite harsh on Martinelli because there is a, you know, obviously when you look at these things, I can't play the video, of course, because of copyright reasons. But when you look at stills, there is a still where Martinelli has the goal gaping. He's got the ball at his feet and you think, well, why is he not just tucked that away? But this happens in a second, two seconds. So the head has gone in from the defender. Aki's cleaning, clearing it sort of off the line. Martinelli's darting into the box, as is the ref. And there are some horrendous sort of videos where you can see the ref almost curving his run in line with Martinelli. At this moment, I'm thinking, what the hell have I just seen? I mean, what's the ref doing there? Like, has anybody got any th- sort of thoughts or comments on, on this particular moment? I, 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 would, I would try and be on the ref side as a ref myself. I believe oh, yeah, you are. You are yeah, a ref. Yeah. Go on, James. Tell us what's the insight here. What's the reason well, for obviously, him getting into the box? So a lot of people say, why is he trying to get close to the line? Goal line technology exists. Um, VAR exists. He doesn't need to be close to the ball. But at the same time, VAR and goal line technology have only existed for five years. I'm sure Stuart Outwell has been a ref for 20, 25 years. So his natural instinct isn't to stand back and wait for goal line technology to do its thing. It's probably to run towards the ball and be as close to the instant as possible. That's That was my take on it. I still think he's made the wrong action going to the left. I don't know why he's going towards the direction of the ball. He should be standing a little bit clear on the box. But I think that would be the justification from a ref's point of view. I mean, when I watched it back in slow-mo, Mark, were, were you going to say something about, about that moment as well? When I watched it back in slow-mo, I just could not believe what I was seeing. I mean, Martinelli hadn't even acknowledged that the ref had crossed him. He was just more upset that he'd missed a chance. But I think the, the players should have... I don't know, what can you do in that situation? That's the thing. What can you... And the thing is, is that, like, at well, there, there's different things with referees. Like, referees will make mistakes... And, and honest mistakes. And I genuinely think that's just an honest mistake. I think it's a blunder. He's in the wrong place. Looking back on it, he'll kick himself. That he like he looks really stupid for running in like that. You can kind of forgive the honest mistakes. I think the problem is that he made about 20 mistakes in the game. So if you're an Arsenal fan and you're watching it, you're just going, well, this is another one of 20 absolute blunders by Atwell, who has got a career littered with blunders, including a suspension, including a ghost goal. Like The guy's a mess. And he's been given another top, top game, which he's screwed up. And the thing is, he's taken a very good game and ruined it because he wanted to be the star of the show. And his little ego got hurt because Gabriel had a go at him. Like, it's just one of them where... So in isolation, this one is it's a bit of a shocker. But if I'm able to separate myself from the whole game, 
that's just unlucky. Martinelli should finish, but he doesn't. But again, that's football. You know, like chances are missed, chances are taken. Wow. Yeah, lots of comments coming in about the ref. And, and actually, Mark, like you've just said, uh, I've, I've seen a comment from, from Yo-Yo who says Martinelli should have scored either way. The reason why I'm a bit sympathetic towards Martinelli is because in that split second, you know, you, you're talking about literally a second or two. He's seen the ref and subconsciously, you know, as soon as the ref gets, gets out of his way, the ball comes to him really quickly on his weaker foot and he's obviously hit it against the post. But yes, he should have scored. But things like this, I mean, we talk about it, all right, he's made a mistake, made a mistake, the ref. But these are the fine lines between winning a game like this and losing a game like this. And there's so much to ride on it. You know, win this game or win this game or get a point from this game. It's a massive difference for us. And I just feel that this was a, a huge turning point in the game. Um, James, you talked about that, that mad minute that we had in the game. Going back to the slides, uh, actually, it's not on here, but Gabriel sending off. So, um, actually, let's talk about the penalty first because it, it was it was after that, wasn't it? So, the pen. You can see uh, Xhaka. You can see Silva sort of tumbling over, and Xhaka has got his hand on his shirt and his leg sticking out. Lucy, coming to you, Granite Xhaka's got a reputation of making lots of mistakes, costing Arsenal lots of games. Um, whether rightly or wrongly, maybe referees think about, oh, Granite Xhaka, it's obviously a foul because it's him. What were you thinking at that time? Were you sympathetic towards Xhaka or were you thinking, what a Dumbo moment? Um, I think as one of our most experienced players, you've got to think Xhaka should know better. Um, and it's Xhaka, isn't it? Um, referees are going to give him cards left, right and centre for whatever mistakes he makes. Um, I think it was a dive, um, but the shape pulling didn't help, did it? And I think from that, that's what they focused on more than him actually diving. Um, and I think, yeah, they've looked at it, thought Xhaka's pulling a shirt again and giving him the card. And the other issue here is that the ref was encouraged to go back to the VAR screen and have a look at this one. And that's what made me livid about, obviously, the Odegaard claim in the first half. Um, chaps, any comments about the sort of Xhaka incident? Was it a clear pen for you? Was it, was it just a, a dumb moment from him? And any thoughts on the ref being called over to VAR to, to inspect it? Do you want to go first? Um, yeah, go on. I think there's a few parts to this. Yes, Jack is an idiot. Um, he shouldn't even give the ref an opportunity to make that decision. Uh, yes, I think it's a dive. I was speaking to my dad yesterday saying that professional professional football is very different to just your average person playing football because your average person playing football isn't smart enough to go down like that. But at, at the elite level of the game, players are so trained to just feeling the slightest contact, they convince the ref and it wins games. And I don't blame players for doing it because if, if it does win you the game, then so be it. You have to do it. You don't get punished for it either. Players, there used to be a thing where Victor Moses got given a second yellow card in the FA Cup final against us and got sent off for it. But ever since VAR was introduced, they've, they've stopped punishing players for diving. So, uh, yeah, he's he's conned the ref, but Jacques is stupid. Um I, what, I personally didn't think it was a penalty. What can Shaka really do, though? Because he has to stand him up. So he, he has to be there. He has to stand him up. And then as soon as he drives it inside him, like he puts his leg out, he pulls his leg back. So if you actually, if you look at it on a frame-by-frame -frame basis, he's pulled his leg back before Silver's seen the leg and jumped into him. And I then, also... But the shirt pull happens. Silver's already in the air when the shirt pull happens. So And, and if you look at the referee at the time, the referee's waved it away and said, like, get up, it's a dive, not a penalty. Then he's went to it. So if they're saying the shirt pool brought him down, then you have to look at it on a frame-by-frame -frame basis. The shirt pool doesn't bring him down. And if then he booked Shaka when two seconds ago he thought it was a dive. That's that's also the problem is the <clears throat> VAI is now overruling a ref's natural instinct. If a ref sees a challenge and thinks there's not enough contact, 
he's seen that for a reason, but then he sees VAR in slow motion and you see something completely different to the first time because you can't see how much contact there was with VAR. It makes it a lot harder. And uh, as you say, I think had Xhaka's leg be planted, it would have been a stone more penalty. But the difference of his leg not being planted meant there wasn't actually a great deal of contact. Bernardo oh. Silva, and you can see from the picture, he's already halfway down. And I think Jack is trying to keep him up because he knows as soon as he goes down that it's going to be given as a penalty. I think, I, I think his hand's only on him because he's fallen. Like, generally, like he's already going down. But also, think... if shirt pulls are penalties, what happened to Tommy Asu with Maguire? <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, but, um, did you see the um, Odegaard interview after when he said, actually, he was stood right by the ref and he said no penalty? And then suddenly, VAR overturned that. Which is really weird, though, because it was Jared Gillett on on um, on VAR, and he's actually pretty good. Every time I've seen him have, have games this season, like he's been really good, he's been yeah. solid. And as soon as I saw that it was him, it really surprised me. Because I with um, Stuart Atwell, I expected, like Stuart Atwell was the ref, but I think he was on VAR with the Everton game. But he let them off with the Tommy Asagos stamped in the face and then the tackle late in the game. Like, I'm not surprised at it by Atwell, but genuinely surprised me with um with Jared Gillett. My, my if it's sorry, if I can just interrupt quickly. Sure. My biggest problem with it all is the fact that um Peter Walton had half an hour after this decision to explain the inconsistencies. And despite that time, he still had no clear explanation. He was just waffling. And that shows that they don't really have any idea what's going on. But it's the same with um, Gabriel's first yellow. I know, sorry, mate, I, I know you're going to come to it, but like, we like to listen to it. the BT Sports stuff was Richards and Ferdinand. One, not Richards, um, Lescott and Ferdinand, who, for one, they were like, oh, Gabriel's done this before, he'll do it again. I'm like, Gabriel's been sent off once. Like, where does this reputation come from? And then the other thing they were saying is that they went on for 20 minutes about how he scuffed up the penalty spot. That's why he got booked. It's like Ramsdale scuffed up the penalty spot. I think, don't get me wrong, I think Gabriel had a go at it as well. But like, if that's a I'm, I'm, I'm going to put this out there. If that's generic English player, they're saying about how smart he is and how much he loves winning and how much, like, it's yeah. very annoying when all of a sudden it's, like, the worst thing ever. Well, let's talk about the Gabriel um, sort of red card. So, obviously, scuffing the penalty spot at the time, we're all thinking, oh, that's why he's got the booking. And then, of course, it turns out that he's made a remark to the referee. And then the the Gabriel Jesus sort of block, you know, Jesus has come short for the ball. He's knocked it over, over his shoulder. He's turned and he's almost sort of clattered into Gabriel, but Gabriel's arms are up and he doesn't really help himself at that moment. I'm thinking, Oh, what a, what, what a, what a fool. What have you done? You know, you've, you've just been booked. You've just made the most pointless challenge at the you know middle of the pitch. You're going to, you're going to get your marching orders. And then the audacity to sort of complain about it when you know you've done wrong. I mean, at that moment, my heart sank and I'm thinking, right, City are going to win this game now. And what a shame. What a shame that we've applied ourselves so well in that first half and now it's just about to collapse. Um, James, coming to you first on the Gabriel sort of red card uh, or the, the double booking rather, what were your thoughts as it all unfolded? Well, yeah, I thought, I think if you are scuffing a penalty spot, I think that's a fair yellow card. It's a stupid thing for a player to do and you deserve a yellow card. But as you say, that wasn't actually why he was booked. I think partly why he was booked, I don't know if you saw, but Gabriel got pushed into the ref when there was a big tussle of players. Gabriel got shoved into the ref. That wasn't why he got booked, but I think that wound up the ref, even though it was completely not Gabriel's fault. And then Gabriel must have said something to him and he's gone, right, I've had enough and booked him, which I'd, I'd love to hear some explanation behind it because it didn't make sense to me. And the same seemed to happen later in the game with Saka, who pointed out to the ref that Rodri had made 
three three cynical fouls without getting a yellow card. And instead of giving Rodri the yellow card, he turned around to Saka and said, you can have one too. So, yeah. That was rattled. As yeah, he, the- he lost control of the game. He lost control of yeah. the game. And, I, and, I've, and that's one thing I've never seen. And I mean that. Like, I've never seen a referee lose control of a game like that, ever. Like, he was a mess. And I think, partially, whoever put the penalty up on the screen didn't help the situation because the yeah. problem is that... And I don't... You might remember this one from about... Probably about six, seven years ago now. We played Everton at home. It was like a winter game. And Everton's goal was offside. Pinar scored. But they used to put replays yeah, in the, the snow on the screen. Yeah. Yeah. So they put up they put up a replay of his offside goal on the screen and the fans went berserk. This is before VAR. And Kashelny spotted it and he's come running over and at half time they're all pointing at the screen. But the ref's like, I can't do anything because I can't react to what's on the screen. But then what ended up happening is the ref gave us everything in the second half and we ended up winning the game two one. <laughs> it was similar with that as a because like, he put it up on the screen and everyone could see it was a dive. Everyone could see that even though there is a slight bit of contact, he's throwing himself to the ground. Shaka's went mental, Gabriel's went mental, and I think it it made the referee a bit humiliated. And that's when he's lost his head and started booking anyone. Yep. Let me put the shoe on the other foot. Uh, Lucy, coming to you, looking at that penalty, if that was an Arsenal man, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, being sort of, you know, having his shirt grabbed and going over like that, and the Gabriel, you know, the second yellow, if that was a City defender doing that to, let's say, Aubameyang, would you have any sympathy? Would you not be, you know, barking for a penalty and barking for a red card? I think if the shoe was on the other foot, we'd all be calling for calling for it, wouldn't we? Um, but the thing is about the yellow card is Gabriel, it was a silly mistake. And as a player with his experience, he's, what, 25? He should know better. He's meant to be setting the he's example young. for these young he's kids. Young he's young. Gabriel's young. Yeah. He's young, but still, you've got the likes of Saka and Smith Rowe and those coming up. Surely he should be setting that example for them. I think Gabriel like twenty-two. He's twenty-four, I think. Is he? I thought. I but compared was... to the rest of them, he's yeah. experienced. Yeah, I, th- I, th- I actually think I'm with you, Luz. I think when when you've got a player who's he's you know still young, he's not wet behind the ears though. You know, he's he's had a lot of game time in France. He's he is an international, isn't he? He plays for Brazil. He's part yeah, of the squad. Some games, yeah. Yeah, so you'd think that he would have a little bit more about him. But, you know, Albert spoke about his immaturities after the game, and actually we'll, 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 we'll go to that later. Going back to the game, of course, at that point, Mahrez is banged in the penalty. City, you know, we're down to 10 men. City are going to keep knocking on the door. And as much as I wanted us to hold on and hold on, and we were defending desperately, you know, Ramsdale was claiming everything, clutching onto things and sort of really slowing down the clock. They eventually broke through, through the most, I thought it was quite a frustrating goal, actually, the way that it sort of fell to them. They got lucky that the ricochet from Rob Holding's poor clearance, and you can see Rodri just sort of wheeling away to the fans there and taking his shirt off and all that sort of nonsense. But your thoughts at the time, three minutes into injury time, Mark, I mean, that must have, you know, really killed you in the Emirates. Just on that, and I think this goal comes from it as well. We um we're not a very street smart team still. I don't know at what point a team learns how to be street smart, but you knew that as soon as they got a penalty, like they didn't, City were diving all game, so like they knew it was the old Pep Guardiola Barcelona trick that if I don't know if you guys realize, but um whenever Barcelona went a goal down, um I think it was over seventy percent of games the opposition would go down to ten men. It was like it's a good default tactic that if you're losing, if you play possession football, get them down to ten. So they did a really good job of doing that, and obviously the penalties are the same same thing. With 
what I found though is that we're not very good at the street smart stuff. Now, there was one point in the second half at, when we had 10 men where Martinelli runs through and Diaz puts his arm across him and like they kind of tango and he doesn't go down. But I thought to myself, if Martinelli just grabs his face and throws himself to the ground, I, the ref has to make a decision. And similarly with the with the winning goal, Rodri nudges holding in the back as he jumps and holding kind of just jumps badly, puts a bad header on it. If he throws his arms out and then falls to the floor, does he get a foul? I don't know, but it's the kind of thing where at what point as a team do we stop you know, do we start harassing referees? Do we start diving in the box? Do we start playing the games? Because that's how you win titles. That's how you win trophies. Sadly, the modern game is you have to, I don't know, call it gamesmanship if you want. But at what point do we start doing that? And do we want to see us do that? But do you feel that, obviously, going back to the sort of youthfulness of this team, that that will come? And, you know, Arteta will probably coach the sort of dark arts, as we call it, or the shit housing that, that others might refer it to. And, and it's something that I absolutely want to see, by the way. You know, I, as much as I want to see a fair game, if you can't beat them, you have to join them. You know, the, the best teams, you've said it, I, and James, I want to come to you because obviously I know you're, you're a ref, get your thoughts on it. But Mark, your points about the most successful teams do it, you know, gathering and surrounding the ref, the best teams of the, the Wenger Fergie era used to do that all the time, you know, in your face, be aggressive, kind of try to intimidate the ref and, and put pressure on them to give decisions your way. Uh, it's very, it's a very old school sort of thought, I, I know, but I think it works like as just as an observer, like go Mark, before we come to James. I was just saying, but it does work. That's why teams do it. It's because like referees will feel the pressure of 60,000 seat of stadium and all the players piling on them. And the thing is like, Again, with the Bernardo Silva one, he they went down in the box four or five times yesterday. If you keep going down in the box, eventually, if, and you're moaning at every one, the referee will have a bias there that is he missing something? And he will just give it. And that's what happened. He just gave it. Is well, that right, James? Is that how you, I mean, in your sort of refereeing experience, like, do you feel that sometimes you owe the team because they've barked at you so many times and you've not given them anything? Yeah, I don't know. Obviously, I'm not, I'm not an elite level ref like these are. <laughs> you but, will be um... one day. Go on. <laughs> The way, yeah, I think if you miss a decision and if they go down for a penalty and you don't give it, you think, oh, OK, did I miss that one? So and if it does keep happening, you think, oh, surely at some point one of these must have been a penalty, and especially when the team is getting on your back, getting on your back. At some point, referees do crack and say, well, look, maybe I am. Maybe I am making mistakes. One of these must have been a penalty. And you look at it from a fan's point of view. If we had four decisions where we think, oh, they're not quite penalties, but they're contentious. As a fan, you go, well, one of them must have been, even yeah. though individually they're not necessarily penalties. Breaks my heart. <laughs> Just thinking about it. like uh... One thing I wanted to ask, right, especially if we go back to the Gabriel Red, right? So obviously he's been sent off for making one foul, which is frustrating. I know it is a bad foul, but at what point do you go, like, what is a referee's job? Because... It should be to the, obviously administer the rules of the game, et cetera, et cetera. But is there not an element of game management, which is a referee's job, which is you've got a defender who's clear, like, because the ref knows whether or not he agreed it's a penalty, he knows it's contentious. He knows the stadium's got their back up. He knows everyone's angry. Everyone's passionate. It's a big, massive game. Gabriel's made one foul. He could easily go over to him and be like, cut it out or I'm sending you off. You've made one foul, one more, and you're done. Is that before you, before you answer that, James, Mark, it's a really salient point because I saw a lot of this floating around on Twitter last night, and I thought to myself, do you know what? I don't. I personally, and James, correct me if I'm wrong, don't think it's the ref's role to ensure that it's uh, an enjoyable, entertaining sort of level contest. I think 
he has to call a spade a spade and it was a silly foul yeah. gabriel was yeah. naive you, you don't to, wait for the moment go on james yeah there is there is a case of you can't kill games off some refs will give cards for everything and it ruins the flow of the game but you do have to apply the rules of the sport so as you're saying if it if it walks like a duck talks like a duck and quacks like a duck then it's a duck you can't you can't say oh it's going to ruin the game it is what it is and yes i i do think it was a second yellow card it's just a naive an emotional challenge from Gabriel. He was so frustrated. And also, I think the nature of his first yellow card, if yeah, his first yellow card, if he'd wiped someone out, instantly in a player's head, you're thinking, right, now I can't make another challenge. Yeah. Because he got a yellow card from making a remark to the ref, I don't think you've got that in your head. I don't think you're thinking, I'm on a yellow card. I've not, I can't make any more challenges. I think he thought, oh, it is what it is, and carried on playing as Gabriel does, very emotionally and very aggressively and on, but i love him for it i love him for yeah. it on, on that note as well patrick beard i used to go used to get loads of stupid reds like it, it's one of the things i think everyone's been a bit unfair being like lots of top players get stupid reds continually like sergio ramos gets a lot of stupid reds you're kind of going to have to get the rough and the smooth of emotion that really that really annoyed me with the way rio ferdinand who has been singing arsenal's praises a lot recently but the way they were singling him out in the um in the studio i thought it was ridiculous saying yeah, top players, you can't do that. Yeah, as you say, top Patrick Vieira would get three or four red cards a season sometimes just from playing like that. But because he was that good, we put up with it and we accepted it. Yeah. Oh, Rio's partner, Vidic, was was no uh, soft, uh, soft player either. <laughs> T- to bring our, our thoughts on the actual performance to a close before we talk about Albert's comments and maybe take any sort of questions from the viewers, Lucy, obviously the final whistle went dejection you know you know that the stadium was i think this i think the fans were just so angry at the time you know loud boos for the ref but as someone watching at home obviously i'm not going to st- sort of stand up on my sofa and sort of like boo the ref from from my living room but i felt so dejected i felt so um like i said at the start i felt so sad and frustrated i felt like someone had really sort of kicked me in the guts um how did you feel at the full-time whistle um, I think we all felt the same, didn't we? And you look at the players lying on the floor on the pitch um, at the end of the match, and I think they worked so incredibly hard for the full 90 minutes. And they didn't stop. And even down to 10 men, I think sometimes we've seen Arsenal go down to 10 men, these decisions given away from them, they've given up. But actually, this team, I think for once, actually took it upon themselves to keep going, to keep that energy going. And even with 10 men, we still looked good. We obviously, first half was... Um, a completely different ball game but even up to that that full-time whistle I think we kept going and we kept giving that energy um, and that's the passion we've wanted to see from this team and I think even though we won against Leeds and we, we gave a really great performance against like the past couple of weeks actually this game we put our heart and soul into and I think the players will be extremely gutted but actually it's how we move on from this and we whilst we've gone over all the negatives actually there's a lot of positives to be taken out of this game and I think that's what we need to focus on moving forward. Can I, almost, can I, sorry. Yeah, go on, James. Yeah, go. Well, just, just to further that about the team, I think the fans deserve credit too. Um, you could hear in the 80th minute, the fans were really urging the team, trying to get them over the line. And it's shown this season, our form at the Emirates was has only been bettered by City in that goal difference. We, yeah. I think before this game, had won seven, drawn one and lost one, which is really impressive. And you could see yesterday, we look like we can beat anyone at home. Yeah, Mark, I was going to come to you because you said before going on air that you'd never seen the Emirates like it. Explain what you meant by that. Last 10 minutes, last 15 minutes. To be fair, 
pretty much from the red card, from that five-minute period where it just felt like everything was going against us and you saw the dive on the screen and you saw how it was all kind of unfolding. At full time, you, you know what the Emirates is like. I mean, I, we've all been there. We know that Arsenal fans are sometimes more loyal to the tube than the team and they'll start piling out from the 75th minute. Didn't get a lot of that. I mean, around me, only maybe two or three people went. You know, your standard older people or people with families, but people waited until the ref went in to give them a bit of what they felt, which I've not seen that before. I've never seen a stadium so aggressive, and that's any stadium, so aggressive against the referee that it was the kind of game where if this is like, you know, you get these stories about these South American countries where the referee gets jumped after the game. It was one of those <laughs> where, like, if that's a different country, this can get messy. Um, it was crazy. And I think, and even myself, I stayed behind just to shout some pelters because I was fuming at it. I was raging. I was <laughs> you put your latte aside and you screamed some abuse. I like no, no, it. No, I kept my latte, obviously. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> No, do you know what? It, you, you make a good point though mark because again a lot was a lot was commented about that on social media so obviously i observed lots of people saying you know not seen the emirates as fiery like it and we want to build it into that sort of fortress that we've always dreamed of it being and and i hope this is a turning point because i think if the fans get that fire in their belly it can become a fortress goal mark the players do really help like this is something and i'm, I'm being in this in a good way right but it's we've got a few absolute badge kissers and when i say badge kissers i just mean like you know the players that know exactly what they have to do to make the fans love them? Like, Kieran Tierney, love him with all my heart, but he's a badge kisser. You know what I mean? Like, he'll wear his short sleeve shirts, he, do he does the warm-ups in shorts, like, he kissed the badge, Ramsdale plays up to the cr like, But it does help build rapport with the fans, and it does yeah. give a connect we didn't have with Emery. But we have 11 absolute badge kissers who will do what the fans want to see, but it helps us because it, it makes us love them. It makes us want to be on their side. It makes us want to give them benefit of the doubt that Martinelli missing that chance. Could you imagine if that was Mkhitaryan? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, like the stick he would have got is just so much different. So you want to love them because they give a, a lot for you. And they do. They do it back. They work hard. They they try. They make tackles. They press. So it, it does work both ways. But the players are a big reason for why the fans are buying more into it. They're a very likable bunch, and they're, and they're building a lot of goodwill with the fans. I think I think that's pretty much it. So if if you know if, if there is a miss or if there's something that that happens, you know the fans are very sympathetic towards that. Lots of comments coming in. Well over three hundred of you watching right now, and more than two thousand have, have tuned in so far this morning. I want to close the segment by looking at some of Albert's sort of comments after the game. So good to see Albert Steivenberg. I hope I've pronounced his name correctly and not butchered it airpod albert as he goes by on 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 social media and he did refer to that by the way in his post-match sort of comments <laughs> first comment up was just on the defeat um he sort of opened by saying look i'm upset we didn't end up with the three points in this game that's the most frustrating part but at the same time we're very proud about the performance and of the players we wanted the win and so to end up with zero is very frustrating that's there's two things in there that i want to pick out first of all um, I think, you know, he, he said somewhere else in his interview that he wants to win. You know, this is not about uh, a free hit. This is not about just a test against a good team. We want to win this game. We're at home to Manchester City. And of course, it's really frustrating to come away with nothing. Um, he talked about the, the proudness. We've talked about how good the first first half performance was. And Lucy, you talked about the positives that we can take away from this from this performance. But I think he's genuinely right there. I think all of us walk away from the stadium. I mean, yourself, Mark, walking away from the stadium feeling, you know, 
bloody hell that was that was you know enthralling you know we 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 were we came out of the blocks flying we went toe to toe we gave as good as we got and of course in the end the 10 the 10 men the red card the penalties the var stuff has really sort of stopped us in our tracks but is that fair from from albert that we should all be proud of the team and actually there's a lot more to look forward to mark can i come to you first on that uh, yeah of course it is absolutely i mean he's, he's not wrong like, everyone left it being like we're class like we are back we are possibly the best team in the world and <laughs> we're gonna win everything everyone left with that feeling now we've got a little bit of maturity to do we've got a little bit of growing we need to be more efficient we've got lots of things we need to work on but you can see a blueprint as you said at the start of the, the chat as well it's impossible to not come out of that and feel like we're a better team than we were last week or two weeks ago and if you think back to the Chelsea game Brentford game City away it's clear that we're moving in the right direction so I think part of it is that you're playing the champions one of the best teams at home you have battered them for a lot of the game and they've escaped with with a win and I think even if we'd held out for a draw you'd have left the game feeling so much different probably different about the penalty and about the red as well because you'd have had a chance to take away the the feeling of robbery from it as well um but it's certainly pride is the overwhelming feeling alongside frustration yeah no I, that's exactly how I feel just a mixture of emotions uh he then went on to talk about Gabriel's red card I feel we've covered this already but he, he talked about look if you've got a yellow you must control your emotions a little bit better and obviously it's easy for us to say because James like you say it happened in a minute and it's just like a it's just a you know a, a, a haze now when I sort of think about it and look back on it um he was in a situation which wasn't the most dangerous I think we talked about that sort of being in the middle middle part of the pitch and he just can't take the risk so Look, this is a player. This is a moment where players have to learn. You know, he's got a, a lot of young players, and Gabriel, whilst he is experienced, you know, there's comments in the in the chat box about him having sort of three seasons in Europe under his belt. He is still young, but he sh he should sort of know better in that position. I don't feel there's anything more that we want to want to add to this. It's there. I've got a quick question. Though. What what match is it that he's missing? Does he miss Liverpool, or does he miss next week, or does he miss Tottenham? League Cup. It would be the League Cup, wouldn't it? Because yes, we, we don't have we haven't that. got a league game yeah. now for for some time, right? So is it? Oh. We've got League Cup, FA Cup, League Cup, Spurs. That's our yeah. next one. Yeah, and it so would yeah, be no, just he one doesn't game, miss right? Spurs. He doesn't miss Spurs. Just the one game. Yeah. Cool. Uh, yeah, cool. and I, I'll just say on the Gabriel thing, I think it's part of the process. I think we are going to have bumps in the road, but we know that the trajectory is upwards. And because of that, we can accept these bumps in the road, as opposed to previously when David Luiz is getting sent off and we don't see the progress. Now I think we can see, and it's a Gabriel, a young player who's going to be with us in the future, who cares about the club, as opposed to David Luiz, who's at the end of his career, who I do have a little soft spot for, because at times he was immense for us. But yeah, it's it's very hard to back a player like that when you think, well, he's just getting a final paycheck at Arsenal. Yeah, And actually that's, that's quite nicely sort of timed, James, because he talked about the sort of game plan where he talked about us pressing them high. They broke our press at times and they obviously are a great team with so many solutions, but we did end up winning the ball quite a lot in their half. And against Man City, sometimes you're forced back and it's about how you defend compactly and break from that. And we did that a few times really well. I mean, the application of our game plan, of whatever tactics it was, Mikel Arteta obviously sort of sat at home. But how do you think Mikel would have felt after that game? Um, would he have would he have been encouraged? Obviously, he'd have been disappointed to lose against his former employer. But he, he'd be at home thinking, yeah, that was some performance, right, James? Yeah, I'd say so. I think, obviously, at the time, I think his emotions would have been, as we've all spoken about, just incredible frustration. But if you look back, three points, aside from just the three points, over a season, those three points will cancel themselves out. Hopefully, maybe it'll cost us top four. I don't even want to think about that. 
But if we think about that, if we play that way against Tottenham, we'll batter them. If we play that game for the rest of the season, I think we'll get top four. And that's the ultimate, that's what I think ultimately is we put, what we saw on the pitch. If we can sustain that, I don't think we have anything to be worried about for the future. Bold words. If we play like that, we'll batter Spurs. That's what I'm looking forward to. So to close the segment, uh, Lucy, where does it leave us? Obviously, we've just talked about uh, League Cup semi-final against uh, Liverpool, the FA Cup against Nottingham Forest. You know, is there a ranking of importance for you? Should we be focusing on the top four and maybe just sort of bin these competitions, or do you want to just take one game at a time? How do you feel about it all? Um, I think you're right. Take one game at a time. Obviously, we're going to Liverpool. Um, Liverpool are above us obviously it's not in the Premier League but I think still getting that confidence again preferably beating Liverpool Um, obviously we go to Nottingham Forest as well whilst that is um, again another cup game I think it's important to gain that confidence to get a win um, especially away from home and then to come into that Spurs game with as much confidence behind us as possible and Mark, are you sharing the optimism about Spurs that James has got? If we play like this, we we, we will beat them or batter them, as he said. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> like, I, I, I think the, the kryptonite to a young, hungry team like us does tend to be a Italian manager who's very, very street smart. I think we saw that in <laughs> Euros, which was hilarious for me, but I imagine you guys didn't enjoy it so much. Um, I think that that's where we could get undone by some shithousery, as we like to call it. Um, but Liverpool, ga- Liverpool games are a really interesting one, though, because as we know, like Klopp disrespects the League Cup with all of his heart. Like He would play his under-15s if he could. Um, I don't think they're going to make any effort to win it. I think he will happily rotate. I, I, he doesn't respect the tournament. Um, therefore, it is actually a really good opportunity for us to win a trophy That to the point where right now, if you offered me resting players against Forest or against Liverpool, disrespect the Forest game. Like, Because you know what? It's good to win trophies, it's good to win pots. And Chelsea are beatable, Spurs are beatable. Like, if Aaron Ramsey does come back in January, Wembley is literally his stadium. So there's a good opportunity for us to win a trophy there. And I think that if we were to pick up the League Cup and finish fourth, that's a humongous season for us versus getting to a quarterfinal, losing a semi-final and finishing fifth. You know, like I want to see progress in key areas, not just progress for the sake of progress. So, yeah, it'd be interesting. I don't know if you're joking about Ramsey, but just thinking about the uh, the, the, the problems that we've got selection-wise, I mean, party's gone to AFCON. Laconga is recovering. Elneny, does he go to AFCON as well? Uh, um, yeah. If he qualify. I mean... We need, we can't surely rely on Charlie Patino. Uh, it's going to have to be Lukonga, Xhaka. I'm convinced Ramsey's coming back. I'm well, there's whispers about Wilshire as well. Should we, should we get let's, let's get the band back together and just do this the, the right way. What's oh, that would be, go on. Be up to? Get him in. <laughs> oh, i tell you what, if Ra- Ramsey, eh? Ramsey, you heard it here first, guys. Uh, Ramsey linked with a sensational return back to Arsenal. <laughs> Look, um... Uh, just a comment that caught my eye. Caleb, great views and content from all the guests. Thanks so much for hosting. Listen, I only have one job and that's to ask the question. So may I thank Lucy, who's available on Twitter, at Luce Fergie. You've got James, who is AFCJXMES. And Mark, thanks a lot for making your debut on The Firm. I hope you guys enjoyed that and I hope you guys come back soon. Thanks for all the comments. Uh, 350 of you watching right now. Uh, please drop a like on the channel and subscribe on the channel. It is greatly appreciated. And, uh, you know, look... Um, I see. 
Can I say one thing before we go? Yeah, of course you can. Do you like a crowdfunder for the family enclosure? Because I really want them to get free drinks or something <laughs> next game. Like, I just think that was from them to see to see kids chucking toilet rolls. At I mean, the like, toilet roll. Where did that come from? Who who goes to a game with toilet roll in their in their pockets? I, I don't know, but bags. I'm but I'm taking one to Tottenham with me just in case. <laughs> They've said that they were they were magnificent. And it was back at the Emirates, and it was so good also to see Saka run into the crowd. I know it's a pointless yeah. yellow, but the, the the two chaps that that sort of hugged him, they will never forget that. They will never forget that moment. Saka didn't get booked for that. No, he did didn't. he not? No, he got yeah. in the second half because Lacazette got fouled by Rodri. but the referee is, is abysmal. They, they don't know what they're doing anymore. Okay, let's not talk about the refing anymore. Look, uh, on to Liverpool we go. And then, of course, we've got Nottingham Forest in the FA Cup. We'll have further breakdowns and whatnot in, in the days to come. But a happy new year to everybody who's watching. Stay safe. And until next time, of course, see you very soon. 